Turn with me in your Bibles, would you, or on your phones to the book of Ephesians. Again, we're pressing pause for just a moment and saying there is, in reality, incredible forces that are opposed to the will of God in your life. And the Apostle Paul speaks to those passages. Children, again, I apologize. We were scheduled to talk with you especially about the armor of God today, but with such a full service, we weren't able to do that. But um, you're very familiar with the reality that, that God has made provisions for us in the midst of the storm. He's made provisions for us in the midst of the battle. And you can hear the words of Paul and follow along with them on page 979 in the Pew Bible. Um, it's Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10 and, and uh, continuing. We're going to go today all the way to 20 even though we won't be able to address all those issues. Paul is speaking to us, speaking to you and to me, as well as to the Ephesians when he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, right? but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, he says it again, therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Have you heard how many times he said stand so far? Three times he says it yet again, four Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers and requests. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And pray also. I keep switching back and forth between NIV and ESV. I apologize. Pray also, Paul says, for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I can fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should the very word of God. Oh, thank you, God. Wow, yeah. So, so um, God didn't just invite you to something and, 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 and somehow ask you to believe the lie that nothing ever is going to oppose you in the midst of that. No, God, knowing full well what his son would go for, sent Jesus Christ into the world. God, knowing full well what you will experience, invites you through through Ephesians chapter 6, invites you to drink deep of this reality. I'm going to go right forward, if I can, with you this morning, because here's the reality. There is opposition. There is a war going on. And as much as I don't like, personally, that imagery of war, everything in our culture says there is a war, right? 
there are, there are wars between nations. There are wars between uh, ethnicities. There are wars between political factions. Everything around us declares there is a war. Here's what they do not declare. Here's what the world will never declare. The war has already been won. The war has already been won. In 1 Corinthians 15, the same author, Paul, tells us, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ, I've shared with you before, I think that victory was won in the garden when he said, not my will, God, but yours be done. But certainly it was validated uh, three days later as as uh, God validated Jesus' submission by raising him from the dead, seating him, as the Apostle Paul would say in, in Philippians 3, at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And one day, one day, the ramifications of that victory are going to be fully known. One day, the Apostle Paul says, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue, every tongue is going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's the problem. Do you remember that amazing story 20 years after World War II was over that there was this Japanese soldier who would not believe, who refused to believe that the war was over and still was carrying out sorties against uh, um, the, the reality that the war had been lost for Japan. He still was carrying out sorties in a, in, a, in a real way. That's an image of what the evil one done. The evil one has already been defeated. Do you understand that? He has already been defeated, but that just ticks him off. That's a very loose translation of Scripture. Uh, that ticks him off, and, and, and so until that day... When he's cast into the lake of fire, um, until that day, he's going to try and cause as much havoc as he can. The battle continues, even though the war has been won. Here's a powerful truth that's really important for us. And it's so interesting to see the Apostle Paul express this. This is not a battle between people. This is not a um, whether it's flesh and blood, right? It's so easy, is it not? Um, whether it's some rude comment or something on Facebook or whether uh, an interaction with someone on the street or the threat of nuclear war with North Korea, it's so easy to say this is a battle between people. And if we can just defeat the people, then the problem will be solved, right? No, it won't. Because it's not about people. It's about, it's about the, the forces that are behind those people's Actions. It's about, as Paul put it, principalities and powers. Sometimes that's reflected in, in, in human organizations and in governments and in, in, in parties. Sometimes it's reflected in those things. But, but it's not reflected in, in the people who end up suffering as a result. Sometimes it's between forces that we can, we can barely wrap our minds around. And some of you are going to have to step further than you've ever stepped before today to try and grasp this truth. The reality is it's primarily a spiritual battle. Primarily a spiritual battle. Are you still in Ephesians? Would you just flip over a couple of pages to Ephesians chapter 2? 
Again, most of us, when we hear the words, Ephesians chapter 2, we go right to the punchline. It is by grace you have been saved. Hallelujah. That is an awesome, that is an awesome truth and, and a life-sustaining truth. But the reality is, in the, in the previous verses, the Apostle Paul lays out the, the field of battle. He lays it out before us. The language is, is kind of biblical language, so it's hard to see sometimes. But beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, if, excuse me, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this, if you have your own Bible, right there, circle that word, world. Following the course of this world. Following, and if you have your own Bible, the prince of the power of the air. Isn't that an odd phrase? The prince of the power of the air. Who is that? Who has given, been given authority by God for a short time over all the earth? This is first and foremost the evil one's realm. And one of the names of the evil one is the prince of the power of the air here. And then he says, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our, and then if you have your own Bible, circle that word, flesh. Some of your Bibles say sinful nature. The actual word is flesh, but that's they're not incorrect to translate it. Sinful nature. You are, uh, you are a child of Adam and Eve. You inherited a nature that is, has a propensity toward a sin, and the Bible calls that our flesh, not speaking of the literal flesh on our bones, but speaking about that nature which has been passed down to us. Carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see what's happening here? This is a spiritual battle against the cosmos, against the world, against all these uh, forces that have united against the truth that you are precious in God's sight, that you are not the sum total of your experiences. All these forces that are united against the gospel's truth in your life, against the world. But were that not enough? Our own fallen nature, our own flesh testifies against us too. I remember when I was a kid, I've shared this with you before, that Flip Wilson was really popular and Flip Wilson would say, the devil made me do it. But the reality was in many situations, it was my own flesh that made me do it. In many situations, it was buying into the the culture around me, the culture of the world that made me do it. The world is against God's work in your life. Your own flesh, your own fallen nature is against God's work in your life. But, but, especially the evil one is against God's work in your life. That's why Peter, echoing Paul's words here, said, be sober-minded. Remember how Paul said, be alert. Be sober-minded, he said. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. Uh, You know, um, we're coming up on Halloween, and we make light of a lot of different things in in the culture on Halloween. Ooh, ghosts. Ooh, um, you know, the devil. Um, Here's the reality. 
um, we're making light of something that's, that's very real, and it's opposed to God's work in your life. Here's the reality. You know me. I'm not asking you to withdraw from that. I'm asking you to bring light into the culture. I'm asking you to be missional this Halloween. But understand, understand that there is one who is opposed, has been opposed since before the, the foundation of the world has been opposed to the things of God and he's still at work. He's still at work opposing the work of God in your life. And the imagery that, that the Apostle Paul uses here is, is that of a lion prowling, hungry, seeking someone to devour. Where are we going with this? It's so easy when, um, when something doesn't go your way to look at people as a problem and, and fill in the blank. People of the other political persuasion, people of a different race, people of, uh, of a different nationality. It's so easy just to write off a whole group of flesh and blood. But the reality is, is it's not them. They are struggling with the same thing you are. They're struggling with these arrayed forces against them, the world, their own flesh, and the evil one. People are not the enemy. People are not the enemy. I've been helping on Wednesday nights with, uh, with uh, high school boys, and, and Kristen has been working very hard to help our high schoolers understand that, that we're to love people. We're to love, even if they appear to be our enemies, we're to love people. People aren't the problems. And we can, maybe we can solve the problem by dealing with the people in front of us, but it'll never go to the, it'll be, just be a symptom, won't it? It'll never go to the source of the problem. The source of the problem, the Apostle Paul, with amazing clarity, is laying out you before you hear. The world, your own sinful nature, and the evil one are the source of the problem. So we are in a war. We are struggling <laughs> against spiritual forces, not flesh and blood, but spiritual forces which are arrayed against us. Let me tell you one step further. There is a very real danger here. Really, there are two dangers. But let me summarize them by saying the danger is, is of falling, of stumbling. And we all can, even right now, Think about ourselves and times when we have stumbled. Think about people we love who are stumbling even as we speak here. How do they fall? There's maybe two ways that they can fall. One is by thinking that they can't fall. And and again, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul challenges the people. He's just been saying, there's, there's um, brokenness in your midst. You've got to deal with it. But make no mistake, you're just as vulnerable to that brokenness as the people you're trying to heal. You're just as vulnerable as the people that you are caring for. So if you think that you're standing firm, be especially careful, right? Be especially careful that you don't fall. Thinking that you can't fall has another name. It's pride. It's pride. I'm above that, right? How many times have we thought that? Whew, praise be to God. And there, but there, that person fell, but I'm not vulnerable to that. Well, guess what? You are, and you're one heartbeat away from that. Paul is inviting us to vigilance. To vigilance. We're going to explore exactly what to be vigilant about in the weeks to come, but he's calling us to vigilance. But there's another danger 
too. And that's that thinking that we will fall. I cannot help but fall. I might as well give up. And it breaks my heart when I see people who have all the resources of eternity at their disposal and they give up because they think that they can't overcome this. Did you hear a few moments ago, Christ has already overcome into it. Do you see what what the Apostle Paul is saying then? He says, stand in the truth that is already a reality. Stand in this truth that Christ has won the victory, that you've already been delivered from these things. Stand in that truth. And even as I say that, the imagery of of one of our dear saints lying in a parking lot struggling to stand is such a such a valuable one to me because in a real sense a lot of us are that way not in a parking lot physically but emotionally and spiritually we've fallen and we're not sure that we can get back up and and to see eight or nine people including perfect strangers all calm and surround her and, and, and discern what the issue was to help her stand back to her feet. It was such an image, such an image of the body of Christ. To see those men standing with Dave just a few moments ago, such an image. Yeah, we can't stand on our own, but we can stand together if we'll watch out for each other's backs. We can stand together, but many of us have already given in to defeat. We've said, I can't do this. I can't do this. And God reminds us in love, that gentle voice, you don't have to. I already have. I already have. You see, God has made a provision for the battle. We're not going to go into it today, but it's right here for you. It's as close as your phone in front of you or the the pages of the Bible in front of you. God has already made a provision for you. He's given you his protection. He's given you his purpose. He's given you his power. See how this passage started? Finally, Paul says, in other words, the most important thought of this letter is this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Do you see? Do you see? I titled this The Secret to Our Strength because the secret to our strength isn't our strength at all. The secret to our strength is God's strength. Be strong, he says, in the Lord. And take up the provisions that God has given you. If I were to ask you, many of you would be able to name many of them, right? Um, Buckle the belt of truth around your waist. And in our culture, especially what the world needs is truth. Someone, some woman, some man to say, no, I know this to be true. Even if everything else in the culture is railing against it, I know this to be true. I'm going to stand on that truth. To, to stand on the reality of right relationships with God, first of all, right? Righteousness. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. He says, stand in the reality that, that God loves you. You are in right relationship with him, not because you don't sin, but because he's overcome the power of sin and extend that right relationship even to North Koreans, even to, to Islamic terrorists, even to your enemies. Extend that right relationship. God has made provisions for you to love people. He says, you've got to be ready. 
I'm going to not spend time here because we're going to do that in two weeks. But he says, you've got to be ready. God has given you the most powerful thing on the face of this earth. Are you ready to use it? He's given you the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has made provision for you already. That were not enough. God, you just told me that I'm in a war and there's arrows flying. Great. Take up that shield of faith, right? With which you can extinguish some, most, no, all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. You put your weight down on what God has said, not what the world has said, not what your own sinful nature is crying out. When you put your weight down on what God has said, then he gives you this gift of faith to be able to extinguish all of those things, all of those things. Take up, take up, and some of you need to hear this today, take up the helmet of salvation. Helmet protects the brain, right? The most important part here. Jesus has made provision for you. And it's his salvation. It's a gift, a free gift, through faith in Jesus Christ, but you've got to take it up. Um, I was watching a football game, and particularly nasty hit, I can't remember which game it was, um, knocked the helmet, knocked, knocked the um, quarterback crazy, knocked his helmet off. He didn't know whether he was coming or going. And, I, and for that brief couple of seconds when the helmet gets knocked off and the play is still going on, I was going, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. He's so vulnerable. Don't you understand? Apart from Christ, you are so vulnerable. You're like that quarterback with 22 guys, 21 other guys all trying to crush you. And, and, and to go into that without a helmet on, oh, you've got to rest in what Christ has done. You've got to rest in your salvation, in Jesus Christ. Take up the helmet of salvation. And we'll talk about this in the weeks to come. And the, and the sword, the one offensive weapon, that's not quite true, um, that he gives you. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. you see all the things that God has given you for this battle? How are you doing? How are you doing with them? Countless movies have the little phrase, you brought a knife to a gunfight, right? Um, all of your resources, your resources, are as nothing in spiritual warfare, but one of God's is everything. Are you bringing the resources of God's provision to the war in which you find yourself? Where I really wanted to go today, and I'll say it, and you think, duh, but, um, but it's probably the most important one. It's the one that we practice already in the service a couple of different times. Um, one of the most powerful weapons for warfare is often lost in Ephesians 6 because it's not given a piece of armor. Did you see how that passage ended? And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of of prayers and requests. Right? And then he says later, pray for me. Right? Pray. Pray. Your most powerful weapon, beloved, is at your disposal. Right? I am not helpless. Because God has given me his armor and he's given me the, the amazing gift to be able to ask anything 
I want in his name to lift Dave, to lift Lois, to lift Larry up before the throne of grace. You have everything you need, beloved, to wage warfare. Not against flesh and blood, but against the very sources of evil, the world, our own sinful nature, and, and, and certainly the evil one. God has given you his protection, the armor of God. By the way, I was going to do this in the children's room. I didn't get a chance to do it. I love, I love looking at that armor because if you notice, the one thing, and I have a new word from Sunday school class today, and it is fanny. It's a theological term. The one, the one thing that is um, exposed in the armor of God scenario then is our fannies. Why is that? Why is that? Because um, God doesn't want us to turn our fanny toward the battle and run, does he? Did you see what he invited? I mean, this is not rocket science, beloved. He said it four times. Stand. God, don't you understand what I'm going through? My world is being rocked. And he's saying, hold on. Stand firm. If you, if you just Google that in Scripture, see over and over again, anywhere and everywhere, God says, I'm going to win the battle. You just stand firm. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And again from Philippians 4.13, I can do all things all things through Christ who strengthens me. God has given you protection. He's given you purpose to pray. He'll reveal more purpose than that. But don't miss that. He has given you power to change the course of the battle that's before you. The the victory has been won, but the battle is still very real. He has given you power to change the course of that battle. But lastly, we learn from an amazing book. I first really encountered this book of the Bible um, when, when we entered into the lawsuit. No, it was actually before that, when we saw that men and women all around us were abandoning the authority of Scripture. And God brought me to this little tiny book right before Revelation that absolutely describes the culture that we live in. Word for word. It was written 2,000 years ago, but it's, it could have been written yesterday. And the book is the book of Jude. If you look in that, it's not a typo. You're saying, what's the chapter? There's only one chapter. It's a tiny little book. But in the end of that book, we, we read this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Oh my goodness, don't get lost in the amazing language. I love it. I love it. It's an amazing expression of worship, but don't get lost in there and miss the point there. God is able. God is able to keep you from stumbling. And if he's able, remember what we were singing earlier? If he's able, he will deliver you. One word before we close. Pastor Dave, what if I'm already stumbled? What if I've already fallen? Um, beloved, it's never, 
too late. Cry out first to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you. And then allow Jesus to answer you with the body of Christ. Allow others to help lift you back onto your feet. To stand shoulder to shoulder, lock shields with you, to stand with you in the midst of the stumbling, in the midst of the danger. And my great prayer is that we will all stand before him in the last day. We will all stand before him and we'll look across and go, you rock, you rock. Because you were faithful in the midst of that. You didn't depend on your own strength. You trusted God's word to be true. And you stood in the face of the battle. And God proved himself glorious. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you so much that you intentionally put us in places that expose us, God, that expose our weaknesses, that expose, God, our our lack of cover, of right relationships with others. You've done that today, God. You've exposed that for many of us. People that were not in right relationship, which is causing a weakness in, in your protection, in your armor. God, you expose every weakness that we have begun to trust. And you invite us again to trust in Jesus Christ and in the victory that he has already won. Oh, God, thank you. Is it possible? Is it possible, God, that you would allow us, weak-kneed as we are, feeble as we are, to risk standing, to risk believing that it's not about our weakness. It's about your strength. To risk standing, facing the battle and declaring, my God is able. I stand in awe of him. God, we love you. We can't even do this unless your Holy Spirit empowers us. But we're going to believe that your grace is sufficient for us. We're going to believe that you are able. Together, God, shoulder to shoulder, we're going to stand declare your praises. Stand with us, would you?